Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Got it for you here on a Friday. It's a football Friday. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino, for the next hour, we're going to get you ready for week, whatever week this is. I don't like counting the weeks, Amo. It kind of makes me sad. We're already yeah. like week Well, we do it up here with summer, buddy, so we're used to it. That's what we do up here. Oh. What's, what's the current temperature in your, uh, in your locale right now? As we say, in my neck of the woods, uh, it's yeah. only about 60. I know it's about 95 down there or something goofy like that, the heat index today. I wouldn't mind a little 60 down here right now, to be honest with you. I'm tired of this whole sweating thing. It would be cool. You okay, know? well, wait a second. Let me set you up for tomorrow. We're going to be overcast because we're not going to get all that rain, supposedly, from the hurricane. We're going to get the clouds, okay? Mm-hmm. A little bit of rain. 51 mm. is the high with some drizzle. How's that? Mm. 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 You don't uh, like no, that, do not you? Cool. No, cool. that's I'll not cool. I'll just take the 60 without the drizzle. That would uh, be fine. quite fine for me. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, then no come up here next week. We're supposed all. to be 65 to 70 sunny cl- uh, fall days. I mean, you remember that. That's the nice part of the Northeast. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can have all that December through March stuff. I, you know, I don't need that. But it's 90-something down here. And the calendar says October. That's ridiculous. Um, I'll tell you what else is hot down here. That is Miami fans, whether that is Hurricane fans or that's Dolphin fans. Talk radio is on fire down here and not in a good way. The University of Miami played Cincinnati last night in prime time, and uh, a game fans fully expected them to win did not end up that way. Instead, it ends up a double-digit loss. And, Emil, I know the wheels are going to fall off down here. Fans have very high expectations and they're not being met by either one of the Miami franchises that play on a gridiron down here. And you've got people looking forward to the Miami Heat basketball season. But uh, it's going to get ugly, and it's going to get ugly fast. And I don't know. I'd I'd like your thoughts on that Miami game last night. Cause you, I, I you don't know what this is. You know, listen, well, let, let's, let's full disclosure. I sent Chad a note midday. I was you know just looking at the schedule. I knew we weren't on air, but we'd probably talk about today. And I said, what do you think about the game? And, you know, Chad's usually not very bullish on his Hurricanes these days. And even when they were really good, you you would kind of temper your enthusiasm. I think that's a de- I think every fan cuz that's, that's de- really the It's a defense mechanism. It's a me- yes, it's what a defense that? mechanism, you know. You and Chad has two teams, the Yankees and his Hurricanes. So he said to me, I think this is an easy win. I forget the score. You might have said 40-20 something like that. 40 41 41-27. Um I really expected us to walk up and down the field against this Cincinnati defense, and that was happening. It just wasn't getting any. Well, why wouldn't you? And that's the other thing. Well, why wouldn't you? Based on what Cincinnati showed us in that game against Memphis, there was no reason to think that that wasn't exactly what was going to happen. But my concern, and I said to you, was two things. One, I wasn't sure Miami was ready to be installed as a full touchdown road favorite. 
And that may not seem like anything to fans, but the players know that. And that's never a good thing when you're trying to rebuild a program because I'm not sure they're ready for that role. It's usually reserved for teams that, you know, are really, really good when when you get over a touchdown in college football, you know, a touchdown or more on the road. And the other thing was I noticed that uh, a week Saturday, so basically next week's game is against their most bitter rival, Florida State. Mm-hmm. I never really liked teams – before that rivalry game, you know, it's just it's a tough spot unless you got one of those situations where you have a back-to-back rivalry game. For instance, if maybe Oklahoma was playing Texas and then Oklahoma State, well, they want to get up for both those games. But this is a game where it's kind of like, eh, we're on the road and next week we have Florida State, and they kind of played like that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know um, what to say. Is 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 that how you see that? Is, is... You know, they just weren't up for the game. Is uh, yeah, I think it was a combination. We haven't done of... well, Emil. We've we've not done well in in prime time games. We've not done well in games that weren't played on Saturday. This has not been a good spot for us um, in previous. Well, let's years, be honest. So. Now, there's a couple things, we, and I think you mentioned it last week. Unless I'm giving you credit for something you didn't you didn't say in one of your posts, but. Uh, there were some chinks in the armor in that Nebraska game, okay? And you mm. think you said to me, you know, when when we played, and even back into the early 2000s when the when the Canes had it going, if they won a game like that against Nebraska with that effort defensively in the second half, there would have been fights in the locker room with each other, okay? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, guys storming the field like they beat, you know, Tom Osborne and Tommy Frazier or something like that. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it, sometimes. <laughs> Just doing that'll wear you out, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, they mentally. went out there. They, tre- you know. So we, what I'm getting at is, we saw some issues defensively for Miami in that game, and that that that's part of last night. They reared their head because Cincinnati can move the football. They just seem to not be able to stop anyone. Um, but the fact that Miami only scored 23 points against Cincinnati kind of tells me that there was some focus that wasn't, you know, exerted in the preparation for that game because there's no excuse for a team with a quarterback that Miami has and some of the weapons they have to not score in the 30s or 40s against that defense. Well, a uh, couple of things. Number one, and it's, you know, that's one of the biggest things fans are bringing up right now is that you had you had a you had a bye week. Okay, you had 2 weeks to prepare for this game and I just did a little quickie research here and I I, I knew this, I just wanted to confirm it. Uh Miami's 4 and 1 in their last five outings and games before playing Florida State. And this is something I kind of knew in the back of my head. I just wanted to double-check it. Since we've, like, unbecome Miami, if I, yes. if you understand what I'm saying there. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it, I know the dynamic. It now, it now makes that game before Florida State ultra-important because you want to go into that game with some confidence. And when we were the Miami that everyone wants to, Miami to be right now, that wasn't so important to you. You were already confident. You already felt good. So you were more liable to go into the game before Florida State and not be as prepared because it's like whatever. But once you started struggling a little bit, then that game before, you had to get a little confidence booster before the Florida State game. So for the last five times, and so I don't know point spread-wise, what Miami's done in those games. But I know they've won four of the last five before going to Florida State. The biggest problem in recent history has been what has happened 
after the Florida State game because it has been a loss more often than not over that time period, and it's led to a spiral. I don't know what we're looking at now if you lose to Cincy and then you lose to Florida State next week. Who knows well, what's going to happen? Well, I think you know, it's a season. shame here because I think this is a game where, you know, for Miami at least, this is a situation where Florida State is vulnerable. I mean, I know they're 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 ranked highly, but I think well, I shouldn't say I think I you know I don't know what you think. I think Florida State's ranking at this moment in time is a bit of a facade. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're nearly as good as what they're ranked. I think that's basically just because of the helmet test Florida State right now. Right, and there's no doubt about it, and we we all know there's some residuals from the good that you've done in years past when you when you're making your rankings, and there really isn't any other way to do it. If you're going to have preseason rankings, you have to base it on what's been done in the past. So Florida State is, uh, you know, getting some residual income from what's been done in the past, and maybe there's maybe this is a different game this year. Uh, so while I'm sitting here with you, maybe I go back and look at what happened the one time Miami did lose before going to play Florida State. Did it result in the win? I, you know, like a fool, I didn't check that. But um, man, next week's game, Amol is. Well, that's a season changer now because this game is one that you, I mean, listen, it's a road game, and and you know, in college football, anything can happen in rivalry games or in road games. You know, in games where you you know, especially conference rivalry games, you know, teams lose at home. Uh, and let's just face it, last year Ohio State won a national championship, and for some godforsaken reason, they lost a September game at home by two touchdowns to Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. 35-21. Now, we both know if we played that game middle end of the year, Ohio State probably beats Virginia Tech last year by 40 points. Um, sure. Do sure. I think Cincinnati We, we can look bet. at that as an anomaly because it's Ohio State, but that's a diff- we got a different thing going on. Well, here I, don't, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think, you know, and it's, it's unfair to say it since they just played last night, but I think, you know, if we play Miami and Cincinnati on a neutral field ten times, I think Miami wins seven of them. The problem is they didn't do it last night, so next week becomes a very important maybe season-changing game because if you go to get beat by Florida State and if you do it in ugly fashion, like if they hang one on you and beat you like 31-13, this season could spiral out of control real quickly. Yeah, and that's that's the danger. Um, The last time Miami lost heading into the Florida State game was 2012, and unfortunately it didn't turn itself into a victory against Florida State because the – in that year, Miami lost to Florida State at home 33-20. to So no little nugget to grab onto there. Emily, you had an individual buy a banner to fly uh, on a plane overhead of Cincinnati Stadium, Nippert Stadium, last night, saying, hey, you know, we flew 11, I flew 1,134 miles out here just to save fire Al Golden, something to that effect. And you know what? I'm at this point right now, Emil, where – to me, all, I think the fans at this point are to blame. And uh, you know what's happened here? It's been how long, Emil, since the national championship? Fourteen years. Yeah, it's but been again, I know that's a long time in, in our minds as fans. But it's really not that long. I mean, Ohio State went 34 years between national championships, 1968 to 2002, and even then, it took a bit of good fortune in an undefeated season where they won a couple games. Uh, if you remember, there was a, a miraculous win against Purdue with, with uh, you know, I think A.J. Jank, I forget who caught it, I don't even know the guy, but he mm. caught a 50-yard touchdown pass in the final minute of the game, similar to the way Notre Dame beat Virginia this year and Boise State mm-hmm. lost to uh, BYU, similar types of games. 
they won a game like that. They had the pass interference to let the game go on against Miami. My point is, that's 34 years, and that was an all. It's still a great program, Ohio State. They did a lot of winning in those 34 years. So 14 years is not a lifetime when you're talking about a championship. Hey, well, that's a team. long time, man. That's a long time. You're talking about. Uh, the, the students that are at the University of Miami right now are six, seven, and eight years old. Um, the but I think your bigger team. point, wait, wait, let me clarify. I think what you're really saying is not only is it a long time between a championship, but they, they weren't doing a lot of winning in between. In other words, in my example, Ohio State did a lot of winning. The type of winning that fans want. The right, they're not winning, winning conference championships. Like in my example, Ohio State won a lot. Texas went 35 years between national championships, but in between they did a lot of conference championships. Yeah, big they were time right bowls. there. They yeah, were right they were there. Right Miami there. hasn't been. And there were even a couple of times where they felt like they might have been cheated out of, you know, a championship. That's not right. I, I think here. your point is Miami hasn't even been in the discussion. No, 14 years since a national championship, 13 years since you played in a national championship game, 12 years since you've won double digits. Yet, each and every year, the fan base comes out, and they're talking national championship. Let's get it back to that. We're going to win the Coastal. We haven't been close to doing anything like that. So my appeal to the fan base right now, and this is an alumni talking to you, is please lower your expectations. That point got driven home to me so solidly last night that I wasn't even all that mad about the loss. Were there some things that happened there that made me scratch my head? Yeah, but you know what? It is really is time to lower the expectations. And last night I realized we are Cincinnati. We're not USC. We're not Florida State. We're not, we're not Alabama. We're not that fans. We are not that we need to lower our expectations, and you know well, what really we needs to happen. How about we just start with, and I'm not being sarcastic here, how about we just start with, um, you know, let's win 10 games. In other words, you're going to play 13 games most years. You know, you Let's get, win you get, nine games. Let's yeah. have a winning record. Let's get above 500. You know what we need to do? Let's stop trying to be all about grabbing the top five-star ballyhooed recruits. Let's. You can get good players, great players down in this area of the country on accident. Let's get those players. And the focus should be on this player comes here at 18, he leaves here 20, 21 years old as a better football player. That should be the absolute bottom line focus. If that comes in a season in which it was 7-6, and 8-4, and four, so be it. The 100% focus is you come here and you get better as a player is this staff well, going to you do, do it that, i don't well, know you're talking, though, to decide that. you're talking about a process and if you do that for a number of years eventually all the things that the fans want down there will begin to happen again because if players go down there and they get better and leave there other players notice that that gets around I, to high school I, exactly amo but i feel to a certain degree the fan base is standing in the way of that I'm not going to relieve totally the coaching staff from it, but that's been hit home. That's that 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 horse has been whipped. Okay, so I'll let people, I'll let the fans decide if that can happen with the staff or not. But for the fan base, that's going to take three, four, five years for that to happen. Once that has been instituted as a plan, because I don't think that's the plan right now. The plan is to go chase the whole recruiting thing, grab the top rivals, guys. Let's try and have the top recruiting class. We're, you know what? That's a losing battle almost. You're not going to beat 
You're not going to sell to these kids the five-star prima donnas on your facilities because you will not have the facilities of an Alabama and a Tennessee and an LSU and all these schools in the SEC. I just did the SEC tour. You're not going to compete with that. Okay, so forget about that. And you're not going to compete with them and telling them you're going to have 90,000 fans in the stands. That's not happening. It's not going to happen down here. It's Miami. It's not uh, uh, some some part some. St- Stick town where there's nothing to do. So let's stop on that. So stop trying to lure in the five stars. If a five star wants to come here, of course you take them. Take the three star kids that are damn good football players down here and let's just make them better football players. Period. Point blank. I mean, there is a lot to you know. All the other BS. If I was recruiting for Miami, and I hear your point, and I I agree with you, I'm just saying there is a lot to sell that aren't facilities and 90,000 people. I mean, I can sell you that as a great school academically or a very good school, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, they got a tremendous tradition. You are in Miami. There's worse places to be mm-hmm. <laughs> in the world. Mm-hmm. So, True. you know, there's a lot to sell. But you're right. If you're going to try to sell a kid that, you know, hey, you know, uh, you're going to be in front of 90,000 people or 80,000 people. Not even, happening. That you're lying. Happening. You're lying. You're lying. There's, there's no energy there in the stands. There's not, it's not going to compare to anything you see in the SEC, you're not going to win on facilities. So if your whole thing is to try and grab five stars off of that. Cut that crap. Just start getting kids. Start making them better. 100% to focus. And whatever happens on game day happens on game day. And for your fans out there, that's what your focus needs to be on. So when Joe Yerby, the running back, comes to the University of Miami as a freshman, when he leaves in three years or four years, is he, a, is he a better football player? And if that happens, as fans start being happy about that, and let's start getting some momentum going. Do we need to be playing in Sun Life Stadium? I really, really don't think so. If we can get ourselves a smaller stadium that seats thirty or 40,000, that's what we need to do. And if this thing grows to that point and looks sustainable, you start adding on to it. But right now, playing in that big cave and where 20,000 looks like 10,000, not a good deal. It's not. It's not. Well, I just want fans to chill out. I really just want them and, to and chill I, out. And I'm, I don't want to I'm be, annoyed with it at this point. I don't want to get you, you know, or anybody else, because I, because like I tell you every show, we talk about Miami. I like to see Miami be good. So, but I think Miami may have caught lightning in a bottle for a 25-year period. I mean, they were, mm-hmm. a, you know, a private school in SEC country that really mm-hmm. was, you know, you go back and look at their history in the 50s and 60s. You know, they were somebody that Alabama and those schools go look at the schedules. They throw them on the schedule, beat the hell out of them. Notre Dorman. Dame would do the Yeah, Dorman. Notre Dame Played would on do Friday the, nights. Yeah, Notre Dame would do the same thing. I mean that was the big thing when you guys kicked the hell out of Notre Dame when Johnson was there and blocked the punt and beat them fifty eight seven. You know, mm-hmm. everybody was up in arms but they forget. It was nothing for you know an era Parsegian Notre Dame team to, to you know go roll Miami fifty six to seven. That seemed all right. So anyway, get it. I don't want to get off my point. My my point is you may have caught lightning in a bottle because, you know, Schnellenberger built that program, turned it over to another great coach, and you had, you know, basically a little a little bit of the momentum, the snowball rolling down the hill. But now, I mean, what you're saying makes sense. I mean, no, Miami is a south, you know, a, a southern version of what I, Boston College. I went up to Boston College mm-hmm. last year, okay, Jesuit University. I graduated from a Jesuit University. It's a sister school. Nice football program. Nothing wrong with Boston College. Hell, they beat my Trojans that night. But mm-hmm. it's not – well, how can I say it? They're not the Patriots. Boston's a pro sports town, okay, Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics. If Boston College is pretty good, they'll show up 40,000 people, 50,000 people. They'll watch them. But mm-hmm. they're not 
diehard BC fans. And down in Miami, I get the same sense, having been there a number of times in my life. It's the Dolphins. It's it's the heat now. It's the Dolphins. Um, if the Hurricanes are really, really good, yeah, people will show up. But if they're not, right. they're just not going to show up. That's just that's just the the way that it is, to be quite honest with you. But uh, let's stop trying to skip all the steps that are going to take place for this thing to even get back to that. Let's not even mention that. Let's just start making players better here. Let's just focus on that. And if that's, you know, not enough for you fans, then I guess you just won't be at the games or whatever. But this this whole but thing. But you see my point. I feel what like I'm every saying coach is how about a progression here, we start like Let this. me make this point. I think okay. every coach that comes in here is immediately under pressure to win a national championship, to do what the nineteen, the 2001 team did or the 1991 team, I think right off rip, that's the load that you throw on their shoulders, and they crumble under it. And they make decisions they may not otherwise make because you feel like right now uh, I, I need to be doing this or I'm a complete failure. The next coach that comes in here, because I really feel like the fan base and the media will drive this staff out, uh, that's what's going to happen. It, it just looks obvious. The next individual that comes in here and his staff needs not to have that whole backpack thrown on their back let's just say we are cincinnati right now that's who we are and let's build this thing up and just allow it to go that way and just are you developing players don't saddle the next coach that comes in here with we need to be the 2001 miami hurricane stop well and to my point i'm saying if you're a fan why not build a logical progression in your own head okay most college teams play 13 14 games a year anymore okay you start with the thing Let's win nine regular season games and then a bowl game. Let's get to 10-3 and three or 10-4. and four. Okay, you do that. Let's win our division of the ACC. Okay, you do that. Let's win the ACC and get to a, you know, a major bowl game. Then if you get that far, then you can start talking about, okay, now let's start thinking about can we get back to that national championship level. I mean, to me, it has to be step by step. You can't just go from, we won a national championship, and then we went through a period where we were winning six and seven games a year, but we're always in the hunt for a national championship. No, you're not. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the microwave society that we're living with in here, and it's a high-powered microwave down here. Did you did you watch the end of the game uh, at all? Did you see well, the last my, my part friend, of the game? My friend, the, the Steelers and Ravens were playing one of their classics, and that game was decided. <laughs> so uh, my, my finger was tired from flipping, and I quit. <laughs> I quit when I knew Miami lost. Well, here's what you had. Um, down 34-23 late in the game. Uh, Miami gets down in the red zone and uh, failed on a third down conversion. So now you've got a fourth down play. And, you know, Emil, in that situation, you go – you go for the field goal, right? It's a two-score game. Well, maybe Golden couldn't get his shoes off fast enough. I don't know. I mean, did he, could he count? I mean, he's 11 uh, minus I mean, three. look, <laughs> you, you make – listen, I've been in coaching. Sometimes you come back and, you know, you say, I should have done this, that, and the other. But that's one of those things where you're approaching the red zone and you got to have in your head, okay, if we, if we don't get it here – it's a two-score game. We need to. We'll probably kick a field goal here, and if we if there's not enough time, we need to do an onside kick, or we kick it and you know ask the defense. Well, buddy, that's not calculus now. Okay, eleven minus three is eight, and you know you can get eight on any one possession. I mean, you don't have to be. You know, it's not like you could say, "Well, I got it." The heat of the game. I mean, come on, that's that's quick. Yeah, you're trailing your by eleven late <laughs> in a game. You're. I'm assuming you're trying to win. It's fourth and goal from the five-yard line. You know, you can do the math on that. The percentages aren't really in your favor. Uh, go for the field goal. I don't How know much time left on the clock, by the way? 
How much time is left on the clock? Uh, I don't I don't ex- exactly have that for you, but there is enough time to. Uh, I believe if you believed in your defense at that time, which you probably didn't, but um, you, I oh, okay. believe you we're not talking seconds alternate. here. Is what I'm saying. We're talking minutes. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, okay, uh, no, no. Then enough. you definitely kick the field. Well, I could see a situation where there's 20 seconds left, and you say to yourself, "Listen, if I don't get in here and make the two pointer, I got time for an onside kick." If I can recover, maybe a couple heaves into the end zone or or maybe a couple 25-yard out patterns where I try to get the field goal and tie it, so you go for the touchdown. But, you know, that's the kind of situation where you just say there's not enough time for me to kick the field goal, get an onside kick, and then somehow make up make those 50 yards for a touchdown two-pointer. I can understand that. Amo, my talking- point is I don't care how much time's on the clock, whether it's seconds or it's, you know, minutes, you got to get two scores. Yeah, you're right, and, right and there's now, no chance if you don't. So you're right. The good point to right. you're so making essentially is essentially when yeah, when they failed on fourth down, game over. Game yes. over. Yes. You know, extend the game. I think your point is no different than an NBA basketball game. Extend the game, even if you get an outside kick and there's ten seconds left, you could still do a BYU and get lucky, which is better than just flat out missing it on fourth down and saying, okay, we lost. Yeah, and I think it's stuff like that that's frustrating the fans and you know I you know I'm just wondering if if the pressure is so great on this staff now and on Al Golden that it leads to decisions like that you know it's like a quarterback facing pressure in the pocket that he just makes a silly throw and if is this where we're at right now? Where you know, well, stuff you like may that be getting over your obvious. skis. You may be going a little over your skis here, trying to make the point. The fans are part of it, but let's not. And you said that a couple minutes ago. Let's not absolve Al. I thought Golden. I saw that with Brady Hoke last year. Is why I'm comparing this. Yeah, um, the Golden in the made back some of your strategic. mind, you've got something going on from the media and fan pressure that you know, just little simple things like that now get botched. You know, what well, I mean? all I can so, tell you is I watch college football like you and. Uh, we watch a lot of it, and I see where kids are from. And all I can tell you is there's a lot of kids from that South Florida area that aren't playing at Miami. And that's always been the case, but they're just not getting – there's there's kids that are in their backyards that are playing at other schools that shouldn't be if they were to Miami. To drive that point home, Emil, to drive that point home, the young man that went into the line on Cincinnati's first touchdown and, you know, they tried to grab his leg or whatever, and then he snuck out of there. Mm-hmm. You remember that play? Yes. Kids, kids from Miami. Um, the individual who scored the last touchdown, um, the tight end, and went and dove and scored the last touchdown is from the school that I currently coach at right now. So those are two South Florida kids, not big-name kids, but they were good enough last night to make plays to beat a school that's in their local area. And, 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 and I think you would agree with this. Here's the thing. If you're in Miami or another like big college town like L.A., you're never going to get them all. I mean, because there's just too many kids and you only have 25 scholarships. But what I will say is this. Back in the day when Miami wanted a guy from that area, I would say they were mm-hmm. probably three out of four. In other words, if they targeted a kid from South Florida and said, we want that kid, I would, would you say it's unfair to say probably three out of four times they were successful in getting that kid? Yeah, but college football is different now. Kids aren't willing to sit the bench, and they're not willing to take red shirts, and they're not willing to sit behind guys. So it's a little bit of a different I understand deal. that part of it. What I'm saying is I think that they don't even ha- – I mean, I think that that whole dynamic isn't even close anymore is what I'm saying. I mean, they, No, uh, no, those those days are gone. De- <laughs> in other words, I was a USC fan. I mean, basically the way USC views recruiting is this. We recruit nationally like Notre Dame, probably Notre Dame, USC, and a couple other schools 
are the only ones mm-hmm. that could say they recruit nationally. But at SC, they look at it like, first, you've got to own Southern California. So, in other words, you mm-hmm. target a kid, you better be three out of four on that kid, <laughs> and that type of kid. Because if you lose yeah. Southern California, you're no longer what you know, because it's such a fertile recruiting ground. Well, I would feel the same way about the Florida, South Florida area. I mean, for if Miami can't dominate their backyard, then they have a problem. No, this is true, and what I'm calling for is also a difficult thing to do because it it's going to end up with you, for instance, grabbing a six-foot receiver uh, because you think he can make him better instead of going all balls to the wall for the six-foot-four athletic freak um, that ends up at Alabama because people are going to crucify you for it down here because you didn't get that kid. But if at the end of the day, you have so many resources and your total focus is on that six-foot kid becoming one of the top players because he's gotten better and learned all the techniques in college football. With time, you can, die, you can kill down some of the noise that fans make over you not getting the six-foot-four well, freak that went to Alabama And the problem else. with the six-foot-four freak is, again, let's, let's use that 25-year period from, say, 1978 through 2003. That was the only time Miami was grabbing that kid. Prior and after, they weren't because that six foot four kid regionally. But you know, Amala didn't start off that way. You, I understand that when, when this when, thing was built, you you didn't get those kind of guys. You got guys that what that were football players, and you made them better football players. You made them good football players. You ended up making them great football players. And then the six foot four freaks were beating your door down. How did Jim Kelly get, get at Miami? You know the story. He was, he was. Everyone told him he was going to be a linebacker. Isn't At that Penn State, he was from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Joe Paterno said, right. "Oh, you're going to be a linebacker," and he said, "No, I'm not." <laughs> so he went to Miami. Right, and the right. linebacker ended up being one of the, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and so correct. Man, we killed this thing. I think your point is well taken. I think that's that's the direction they need to go at because that kid that was beating down the door now is no longer beating down the door. Regionally, he's going to be recruited by Florida State and Alabama and teams like that, and they're going to say, we have tradition and, you know, all the things Miami doesn't in terms of facilities. And nationally, Notre Mm -hmm. Dame's coming and USC's coming, and they have stuff to sell that Miami can't sell. And that's not me being a homer. That's just me being a Mm -hmm. realist. No, that's 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 true, and and you know I just I I wrote an article last year, and the article was on why a coach needs five years, and I still believe in that, and that's what a coach is going to need here five years. So you're going to have to get through, the, you're going to have to get through the years where the Florida State's beating you because they have these monster guys, and you're still developing your guys that aren't so high on the radar. But at a certain point, once you've committed yourself to that, and they start becoming better football players. You know, you're going to get where you go. That's what Nick Saban did at Alabama. They kind of just left them alone. They'd been beaten down so much, they just let the guy go in there and do his thing. All right, we gotta, we've got we killed it. There's a lot of hurricane talk here, and that was the entire opening period that should have ended 10 minutes ago. We're going to jump into a quick break. When we get back, we're previewing the top college football games and giving you our picks here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. 
Do you want championship type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Football Friday, we're back. Gridiron Stud Show, Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. Just had an in-depth talk about the Canes, what happened last night, what needs to go on in the future, what's happened in the past. I mean, we kind of hit this from, from every angle. But we do have other college football games going on this weekend. And um, as I said yesterday, college football is an event. Uh, there's something going down every week that everyone wants to see, and there's no shortage of big games this week, Emil. So uh, in the essence of saving some time here, let's try and – fly through some of the bigger games that we have, and then we'll, we'll uh, give out uh, our top picks for the weekend. West Virginia and Oklahoma, pretty interesting contest going down. West Virginia's kind of snuck up on people here. Not a whole lot was expected by West Virginia. Oklahoma's always in the limelight. Oklahoma's big game was the uh, one-point win that they had over poor Tennessee, who's been on the wrong end of two of those. Oklahoma's a six-and-a-half-point favorite, Amo. What are you thinking here in this one? Almost made it a pick with West Virginia, but then as I did more research on the game and I started looking at West Virginia, I noticed that, you know, Georgia Southern, who's not a bad team generally, uh, and Liberty were their first two games, and then a not very good Maryland team. And I just think I'm scared to take that the points. It's been going down from 7.5 to 6.5. I look at Oklahoma's been in there with better teams. Tulsa's really not bad, believe it or not. They can score, and Tennessee is a, you know, a road win at Tennessee right now is a good win for Oklahoma. So I'm... Kind of, I'm kind of just. I give you a slight lean with the points in West Virginia, but it was, it's not something I'm interested in making a pick on. Yeah, um, you know, West Virginia has had two really great games defensively against Maryland, forced six turnovers against Georgia Southern, five turnovers led to the big, big blowouts. I don't know that they're going to get that kind of production in terms of turnovers. Uh, against Oklahoma, so that would uh, make you a little nervous about that one there. Mississippi State and Texas A&M, a lot of people looking at this with some great interest. Is Texas A&M kind of back to where they were, and can Mississippi State um, build off of the Auburn win last week? It wasn't an impressive win over Auburn, who was starting uh, a rookie quarterback, and he ended up winning that game 17-9. to What do you make of Texas A&M in this well, ball? Yeah, but you also went on the road and did it. It's still an SEC road win. If, if we had more than three picks allowed in our little thing every week, this would probably be I, – I, I like Mississippi State here at the points. Uh, I'm still seeing the same issues uh, with A&M people. They got off fast with that win against Arizona State. They played some pretty good defense that night. But slowly and surely – um, you know, it seems to me they're returning to just allowing more, like Nevada, 
you know, scored some points on them. Um, mm-hmm. Arkansas last week, you know, had over 400 yards of offense, and Arkansas is not very dynamic offensively. They ran the ball for five yards a carry. I, I just think this is going to be a typical SEC game, back and forth. Someone's winning a tight one, maybe even overtime. To me, six points looks pretty good in this game. Yeah, uh, Alabama and Georgia, one of the big one of two of the big matchups that you have in the SEC this week. Georgia, a small favorite at home. People thinking this is it for this is the time for Georgia. Uh, I'm saying Amol, Alabama lost their one regular season game that they're going to lose, and I like them in this game against Georgia. I will uh, tell you a little later who I like. I got a pick on this game. I'm not shying well, away. How from about that? Yeah, big time. Big time Amel has a pick on that I like game. James Shields. What they call James Shields years ago, the pitcher, the big game hunter. That's <laughs> big Well, game yeah, hunter. there you go. If if that works for you, take that and run with it. Sure. Uh, Mississippi and Florida, you know, I make no predictions on that. Uh, it's a, a great opportunity for Florida now who's been who's ranked for the first time I think in two years, two seasons to uh, you know, legitimize themselves and move up the scale here in Mississippi could be another feather in their cap if they could beat Bama and Florida on the road. Uh, yeah. What scares me, I mean, my obviously my rooting interest in this game is Florida. I want Florida to win. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say this. I won't make a pick. What I will say is what scares the hell out of me in this game is the Florida offense uh, leaving that defense on the field a little too long. Um, I'm hoping to see a little bit of, you know, at least move the ball, get a couple first downs and punt. I think if they do that, they can hang with these guys. Uh, my concern is don't be sloppy with the ball and don't be giving your a bunch of three and outs in this game where, you know, you just leave that defense on the field all night. Yeah, you don't want to be giving Mississippi extra possessions. They're a very good offensive team. And so uh, we'll we'll get to find out a lot about both of these teams. I'm I'm not sure about the Alabama win from Mississippi. Well, what's your weather, Alabama by the just, way, down there? Um, I mean, what are uh, they calling we, for? It should be fine, uh, but it is Gainesville, so rain can pop up on you at any time. far as I know, uh, going to be decent weather there, so uh, we'll we'll see what that has. And the other big matchup that we have on Saturday is Notre Dame traveling to Clemson. We know the, the nighttime atmosphere. It's a primetime game, by the way. We know the nighttime atmosphere there at Clemson. Uh, how much is that going to work in their favor? And Notre Dame, you know, we're not sure where Notre Dame is. A win here at Clemson might put us on the right track as to knowing that this Irish team might be for real. Yeah, you know, this was a game, my phone rang yesterday, by the way, and who calls me but our our, our friend of the show, Les. We had a nice mm-hmm. football conversation for about 20 minutes, and I said to him yesterday, if he's on the other line, listen to what I said again. Uh, mm-hmm. I almost made Clemson a pick. What scares the hell out of me with Clemson is their coach in this game because I feel – Notre Dame has an advantage in that department in this game. And until I see Clemson do it here, I'm just going to watch the game. I, I, I just have one of those feelings. This has the feeling of that Oklahoma-Notre Dame game three years ago in Norman where everybody in the world on a Saturday night liked Oklahoma. And that was the year Notre Dame played for the national championship and lost to Alabama, and Notre Dame beat them like 30-10 to 10 or 30-13 to 13 in Norman. Somehow this game has that feel to me, and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. It's what's keeping me from making Clemson a pick. Yeah, well, listen, obviously not a, uh, not a, a, a pick for me, but I will say this. Um, I think I like Clemson in this one. I like what they've been doing uh, defensively. 
and I think it's now or never really for Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. I mean, if he's gonna if he's gonna do it, it's it, this is the time. This is the kind of game you fell on your face in a big matchup at home against Florida State a couple of years ago. You can't do that again. So I think they're really geared up for this one. And um, I got to be sold on the Irish being, you know that Irish team again. So I'm going to lean in that direction. But we do need to give out some picks now since we're running short on time. And uh, you're up first in college football, as you are every week. Tell us, bless us with your picks, and I've got a special uh, lookout for one of these. Okay, well, we start the week, college football. You're 8-4, and four and I'm 7-5. and five. So we've been pretty good in college. Uh, you know, and I think we're going to continue this week. I really like the board. My first game is that big one, uh, Georgia-Alabama. To me, this game is forget all about the Alabama lost their game for the season. It's it's about matchups. Alabama tends to struggle with teams that play spreads and and that, that kind of style. Mm-hmm. Georgia's not mm-hmm. one of those. Okay, Georgia's going to mm-hmm. line up in their traditional pro set, dot the eye. They're going to hammer you. The game's going to be played in the trenches. And I'm not sold on Georgia's quarterback or their play caller. To me, this game just sets up. It's the type of game Alabama wins. It's not a blowout. It's probably a 23-17 game or something like that. But you got the underdog here. And believe me, Bama knows that they're underdogs. I'll take Alabama mm-hmm. plus the one and a half here. I think I think they get the outright. So we kind of see this one the same way. What What's the next one? Okay, next one is a, a game that's kind of not on a lot of radars, but uh, – California is is laying 17.5 points against Washington State. Do you know even when California had Aaron Rodgers and all those guys, they never really laid this many points against Washington State. California's mm-hmm. been playing some ba- some tough games. They had Texas and Washington on the road uh, the last couple of weeks. Okay, Won two very impressive games. They come home against a, not a great Washington State team, but a 2-1 and one team nonetheless. And they have Utah and UCLA on tap on the road the next two weeks. So they got four out of five on the road. They're in a tough stretch of their schedule. This is the one home game. I think they let their hair down a little bit here. I think they become the mm-hmm. California we're used to, where we just see you know, balls flying all over the place, up and down the field. I think in the end, they get the win, but not by 17.5 points. You know, We'll call this one Cal 45, Washington State 38, but I'll take 17.5 points in Washington State here. All righty, 17.5 for Washington State. And what's your last pick? Finally, uh, you know, Hawaii's coming back to the mainland to go to the Blue Turf in Boise, and Hawaii's been kind of a, a well-traveled team. Uh, they, you know, they played Ohio State a couple weeks ago, got shut out. Uh, then, then they, then they got a breather with Cal Davis at home, and then they went and traveled to Wisconsin last week. Fly home now back to Boise. It's a lot of travel, three times in four weeks to the mainland, two shutouts against power conferences. This just has the feel to me of a Boise State blowout, you know, one of those games where the score's rolling in when your eyes are getting a little tired from watching football all day, and it's 52-17 mm-hmm. to 17 Boise. So uh, we'll call Boise minus 25 as my third pick. Going with the chalk with Boise State. All right. Um, and for those of you who may have missed it, a we'll quick recap, Boise State minus 25, Washington State as a 17.5-point underdog, and Alabama in that big SEC matchup. Uh, Amo likes him as the underdog. Here's what I'm going with. The West Coast was kind to me last week, so I'll drift back out there again. And I'm going to agree with your Washington State pick. How about that? All these games on the board and, and where uh, you wow. and I are jumping on the, on that same one there. I'm kind of seeing it the same way. Um, obviously, Cal has come out the gate and surprised a ton of people here so far in the season. And um, to the point where I think they've probably – 
they've covered every game I think up to this point, and so something needs to be done. Well, no, they did fall, they did fall short against Texas, if, uh, if I'm not right. mistaken there. But uh, they've covered three out of four, um, and and you know they're coming off of back-to-back weeks against some pretty solid opponents. They, they I I just don't see them getting up for this game when Utah and like you said UCLA are up on taps. That's one home game nestled in between. Um, you know, back-to-back road trips. Washington State's not really going to be big on their mind, and and Cal is not that strong to that point to overcome something like that. So I think 17 and a half points uh, may be too much for them there. This thing might turn into one of a, you know really big fist fight. Uh, here's one. No team got more embarrassed, and and you know no result was more shocking last week than what happened to Oregon at home. And when something like that happens, the tendency by the public at large is to just throw this team in the trash. And uh, I think that's what's been done here by the odds makers, because um, Oregon's traveling to Colorado. Colorado is a better team this year, but they're not. They're still still a bottom feeder in this conference. And Oregon, which was an 11.5-point favorite, is now a 7.5-point favorite. So I'm going to reach into that trash can. I'm going to pull Oregon out. And Oregon really, right now, Emil, is playing for their season. Are they going to be in the final at the end? Are they going to be in the college football playoff? Absolutely not. But to have any kind of a decent season that they'll be able to build on next year, they got to go to Colorado, not only win, but win impressively. And I think Oregon is is a significantly better team than Colorado. And if that is the case, that will show up this week because Oregon has to be highly motivated and uh, Colorado will do what they can. But I like Oregon. As I like that. Less than there. a double digit. Yeah. Less than a double digit favorite here. I think seven and uh, a half. Yeah. One week doesn't make a season. And I think they're going a little too far there. So I'll take Oregon. And then the final one's Nebraska. Uh, Illinois started off the season gangbusters. They lost their coach. And everyone was down on them. They lost them, what, a week or two before the season. Everyone was down on them. And then what did Illinois do? They came out, punched Kent State in the face, 52-3, to came out and beat Western Illinois, 44 to nothing. And everyone was like, to hell with Tim Beckman. We don't need that guy. Well, you took a trip out to North Carolina, and, and then now you realize things are kind of a little bit of a mess in Illinois, and you lost 48-14. to You come back home, and... You should be able to handle yourself pretty good at home against Middle Tennessee State, and that ended up being a complete and total struggle. Now you're getting a Nebraska team that's coming in motivated. They're a two and two team. Nebraska's not going two and three at the hands of Illinois. That's just not happening. They are gonna. They, they want to have a winning season. They're a winning season type team. They're not going to fall in their face against Illinois. And all uh, Nebraska has to do in this game is cover six and a half points. I think that's I like that. I think Nebraska and it's kind of a buried out. treasure there. Very good digging that one yeah. up. I like that. Yeah. I think they come out and punch Illinois in the face, not once, but uh, several times. And, <laughs> uh, you know, if North Carolina can beat them 48 14, I like Nebraska to do the same. So that's where we're at. we got to take a quick phone wait, call. Wait, wait, wait. we got to recap your picks. you got Washington State, like me. You're taking them plus 17.5. Yeah. You've got Oregon minus 7.5 and, and Nebraska minus 6.5. And, mm-hmm. and now we have our callers here. Now we're going to take our caller, and uh, Les, hate to put you on a rush here, my friend, but you got to give us your picks in, in hurried-up fashion. And while we're doing that, Abel, can you dig up what Les did last week? I don't have Les's. I'm just going to ask Les to recap him for we us. Might have to have cut, we might have to hang up on Les if he didn't do good last week. Uh, I was 2-1 on one last week. Yeah, oh, okay, so we, we can keep you on then. <laughs> okay, good. What you got yeah, for us this yeah. week, my friend? Hey, uh... I'm gonna make it quick. I like. Don't uh, order like off Minnesota. the McDonald's menu, okay, please. 
I like I like Minnesota plus six and a half against Northwestern at Northwestern. Mm, I'm look, a, at, look at I'm, this guy. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, Western Kentucky um, minus the five against Rice in Texas. Okay, and, you think uh, they're gonna I cook think, the Rice Krispies, huh? Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, and then I I'm a, I think Michigan State gonna open up a can of whoop ass on Purdue this week. So I kind of like I kind of like that one. They need to do it to somebody. By the way, Chad, that's exactly what he said when he and I were having our phone call yesterday talking football. He said he said the same. He said just like that, Emil. I think they're going to open a can of whoop ass on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's, they got to blow out somebody, somebody and it. why not these guys? Twenty-one and a half points. The public's been backing Purdue. They opened that line at twenty-four and a half. Uh, I like you going against the public less. I think that's a great pick. Uh, I think Michigan State's going to handle their business there. My man, yeah, Les. Because uh, you open up, you open up the Big Ten season. You better showcase something if you're the number two team in the country. Well, here's to hoping you get another two and one, or even a three and zero week, man. We got to run. Appreciate you calling. We got to do some NFL picks here. Oh yeah, let me let me throw them at you. Let me throw them at you. Let me see. Let me see. I like. I don't, I don't know what happened with uh with Mike Vick last night, but okay, we will take that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go to the eye makers this week. I, I, well, like, yeah. I like the Raiders against the Bears. The Raiders. That's so. Okay. Okay. Yes. And then I like the Saints against the Cowgirls. You can't like the Saints. Oh. There's no line on the game. Oh, wow. Why not? This guy. What? Because we what don't do know mean? if Drew because Brees is Because they don't know playing. if Drew Brees is going to show up. Man, so Drew skip Brees it. What's your next one? All right, let me let me go with the Dolphins to beat the Jets. The Dolphins got to get oh, off my goodness. whatever the hell. They got to do something. I'm serious. Like you got a lot Boy, of I feel like I'm doing a show in 1976. He picks the Raiders and the Dolphins. Yeah. All right, yeah, do you have a I, I do you have a substitute for that New Orleans pick? You know what? I'm going to ride with the Dirty Birds, man. I'm going to ride with the Dirty Birds. I don't right. think I don't okay. think I don't think uh, Javon Clowney decided he wanted to be a football player. So yeah, that's 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 been a little bit disappointing. All right, so we got Oakland minus three. We got Miami plus one and a half. Atlanta minus six and a half. Man, Les, thanks for calling the show. Thanks for your picks, and let's hope and let's pray for a winning weekend for you. Absolutely, man. Y'all have a good one. God bless. All right, y'all. Pre- hey, keep working with them kids. Hey, you going to see that boy? Uh, I am. I will name? be there live. And, I'll be there live and in color. So and we'll definitely I, I chat to, after I need that. To see, I need to see if he's real, real. When you see him in person, tell me. <laughs> I will. I will let him know, man. Thanks for calling the show. Taking a quick break I here. Will. When we get back, it's NFL previews and NFL picks on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Oh, 
We're back on the Gridiron Stud Show, racing through a football Friday here. This thing is going, uh, you know, the, the Get Boosted uh, song that you're listening to here is so appropriate as we are uh, flying through this. Emil, uh you love T-shirts, right? We all wear T-shirts, correct? Totally. I love them. Well, our friends at, yeah, our friends at T-Shirt Supplies have a message for not only us, but all of our listeners. And I want to let you know that show, uh, summer's gone, as we, we pointed out at the beginning of the show here. Summer's gone, definitely for you guys, not for us. Oh, yeah, it's here. gone. Okay, it's blazing hot. But uh, summer's gone, and that doesn't mean, uh, you know, putting away the T-Shirts, and definitely not here, whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for kids, or the Halloween party. Uh, your buddy throws every year that you may or may not want to go to. T-shirts are very much a part of the American culture, as Tom Brady deflating footballs are, <laughs> or the Sunday preacher telling you, send him money to be saved. Americans love T-shirts. Uh, we invented them, after all. I'm not sure how true that is, but let's just roll with it. Screen-printed T-shirts are costly when they're done for small groups, so limited in colors unless you want to pay for even higher prices. And you put folks out there that have tried to get a large number of T-shirts printed, you know that to be true. Uh, more colors, more costly. The answer is to do it yourself at home, and you can do that with your inkjet printer or a hand iron, whether it's for your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party or the family reunion, you can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right. With heat transfer paper sold at T-ShirtSupplies.com, you can design your own logos, wording, whatever you want to put on there, print it on the inkjet paper, sold by T-ShirtSupplies.com, and iron it on with your very own hand iron. So you can do a lot of things yourself nowadays. Uh, you can do this yourself, too. Print up your own damn T-shirts, and you don't have to pay a mint for it. The designs or pictures you put on your T-shirts are only limited by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at T-shirtsupplies.com can get it done and put on your T-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before, as T-shirt supplies has fast, first-rate customer service. They'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at T-shirtsupplies.com. That's T-shirt no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com, or call them now at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER, t-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Get your t-shirts done right. Hey, I'd do on. that on my own before I'd paint a room. And then, yeah, there you go, man. T-shirts are uh, lovely, and check out the folks at t-shirtsupplies.com. All right, now that we've got that business out of the way, it's NFL time. They're big time matchups coming up, or not? But we're starting off this. We're starting off Sunday at 9:30 a.m. Okay, and for you folks out there in California that love the 9:30 starts, you get a 6:30 a.m. football game. I don't know if they're going to televise it out there, but nevertheless, well, can, the, uh, can Dolphins- I make some suggestions if you're planning your weekend, guys? Okay, and and the wife says, listen, you can have one day this weekend to just immerse yourself in football. I'm going to suggest this weekend you use that on Saturday, depending on weather where you're at, because Sunday slate, to be honest with you, in my opinion, is rather weak. Yeah, it's got some ho-hum to it, but uh, if you're fortunate enough to get two days out of the way... Well, then watch them both. <laughs> yeah, your Sunday's going to start early if you're, on the, if you're on the East Coast, or, you know, stupid early if you're on the West Coast, because at 9.30, the Dolphins have had trouble winning in the United States, so they're going to travel over the seas to London and see if they can pick up a victory over there when they face a division rival in the New York Jets. Now, I don't know what happened to the Miami Dolphins last week. One of the big signs to me is what you do... Um, Against your division opponents, what you do after an embarrassing loss, those kind of things kind of tell me what kind of team you have. The Dolphins were nil on both of those. Embarrassing loss, home opener, division opponent, you got you behind blown out 41-14. I don't know. 
They're one and a half point underdog. You know, our call. I agree with Lester. I, I, I think this 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 is coming. He didn't say the re- this reason. I'm going to say, but I agree with his pick. I actually think this trip is coming at a great time for the Dolphins. Get out of Dodge. Uh, the city's up in arms. Can't believe the Bills handed you their head the week after. Handed you your head the week after you lost to Jacksonville. It's it's kind of one of those troughs in the season where a lot of negativity at home. You get away from it. You go overseas and maybe you know clear your mind and beat a division opponent. And I think I think the Dolphins are going to play well this week. Uh, the Dolphins are playing for their season, Emil. Are you surprised by that? Are you shocked by that? Uh, they're they're really playing for their season. Well, in that division especially they are because New England's going nowhere. We know that. New England is good. And mm-hmm. Buffalo's obviously the, right now the second best team in that division. So right now you have a game against the Jets where you can even the mark with them, get to 2-2, two and two, both teams. Or the Jets jump a couple games in front of you. You're 1-3. and three, You're buried behind possibly a 4-0 and oh and two other 3-1 and one teams. You're done. So, yeah, you're right. They're the, playing for the season. The Dolphins can't go a three-week stretch where you lose to Jacksonville, you lose at home to the Buffalo Bills, and then you follow it up with a back-to-back loss to your biggest rival and, uh, you know, a division foe. They just can't They just can't do it. I think the season is over if that happens. All right, we don't have a ton of time, so why don't we roll out our picks, and if we have any time left after that, we'll talk about some of the other games that are on tap here. Um, real quick, I'm going to – I'm going to make we both picks start this week bad. You're two and six with the commissioner's decision of the no pick on the quarterback injury in New Orleans last week. I'm two and seven. So uh, love the commissioner. Here we go. Gotta I love, love the commish on yeah. that one. Um, okay, here's what I'm rolling with. Your Philadelphia Eagles got off the schneid last week and uh, picked up the win against the New York Jets. They had a comfortable lead in that one, 24-7. I think we all knew that. But that game was indicative of the problem with Chip Kelly's offense in the National Football League. Too many shots, um, too much time on the field for the defense. I think that's just going to be a recurring theme for Philadelphia here. The Redskins are returning home uh, with extra time to prepare for this game as they played on Thursday. They just suffered a division loss. And the Redskins, at this point, still think they're going to be a good football team. So they're going to come into this thing with a ton of pride. There'll be a bunch of preparation. And they're a home underdog. You know what, Emil? I'm going to roll with the Redskins because I think they're a better team than people thought they would be going into this season. They have a ground game. They're getting decent play out of Kirk Cousins. Is he going to remind anyone of Joe Theismann? No. But I think they're they're playing decent enough football right now, and um, uh, you know back to back weeks of not forcing a turnover. I think they force some turnovers here against Philly, and and they cover the three points. Interesting. Um, Les likes yeah. Les likes Oakland. I don't know. I think I think Stabler and Branch were on the field the last time they were favored uh, on the road, and here they are, three point favorites. I love the Raiders this year. But uh, this is going a little bit too far. It's not time to make the Raiders a road favorite. The Chicago Bears are coming off of a shutout shut out loss. That's another thing in the NFL I really look for. Um, you know, did you lose to in the division opponent? How'd you play after that? And then what you do after a shutout loss? The Chicago Bears have to answer the bell. Uh, it's too early in the season for you to be going 0-4. It's too early in the season for you to come back at home after a shutout loss and then lose to a Raiders team being favored for the first time in I don't know how long. This is a bad spot for the Raiders. They're being given something that they haven't really earned yet. Um, and this is back-to-back road games for Oakland. They played at Cleveland. Now they're at Chicago. Now they're a favorite. Too much there for, for, for the Raiders. Not ready for that yet. So I'm going to back the Chicago Bears. The Bears can't answer this, Bill. It might be a while before I'm on them again. I'm going to roll now to uh, Monday night. The Seattle Seahawks have started off the season behind the sticks. Uh, they got back 
that feeling last week, putting you know putting a real cross in the face of the Chicago Bears, beating them twenty six nothing. They get another friendly Central Division NFC foe. Did I say Central? That's a throwback. The NFC yes, North. Yes, you did. Um, this is the North. They get the Detroit. Yeah, as long as I don't call them the Detroit Tigers. They get the Detroit Lions here, who are struggling mightily right now. You know, two weeks back-to-back, under 20 points scored. Uh, something's not right. They cannot run the football for, for for nothing. Last week, 28 yards rushing against Denver, 38 yards rushing the week before against Minnesota. You're going to have a really hard time beating the Seattle Seahawks if you can't run the football. And I think Seattle's smelling themselves. They're going to try and get themselves back ahead of the chains. They're going to be fully loaded, cocked for this game. And it's a Monday night night primetime game Detroit don't do that Seattle does so I like them in a blowout here again back-to-back blowouts here for the Seahawks so they could start feeling good about themselves it's a nine and a half points I think I believe that we got to deal with here so I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with the Seahawks at home on a Monday night uh, needing to get themselves back to 500 nine and a half wow we got so we got the Redskins the Bears the Redskins and the Bears each getting three and the Seahawks laying nine and a half for you there you go. That's what I'm rolling with, my friend. Well, what do you I got? might as well start with where we agree. So again, once you know all these games on the board, somehow we each pick one that we agree on, and I, I'm with you on the Bears. Listen, I'm not thrilled about taking the Bears. This is purely a situational play for me. I mean, they're home, they're getting three, and I think that you know they're getting the Raiders a little bit number one ahead of themselves. Number two, it's back-to-back road games, and people forget, especially when you're a West Coast team and you're going to the Midwest or East, that. You know, back-to-back weeks of travel can can get to you. They played Cleveland last week uh, as an mm. underdog and won 27-20. I just don't like the Raiders being favored on the road on a back-to-back situation. So I'm like mm-hmm. you. I I think the line seems small, and uh, you know the Bears are probably one of the worst teams in the league. So to me, something's mm-hmm. not right. I think the Bears will get their first win of the season outright here. I'll take the Bears yeah. plus three. Um, mm-hmm. Secondly. I'm I'm rolling with the Houston Texans getting six and a half against that team that beat my boys last week, the Falcons. I saw some things in that game that um, scare me a little bit for an undefeated team. Number one, Atlanta. Uh, do I see them as a four and zero team? Probably not. They're much improved, but you know Dallas really was able to handle them until they figured out that Brandon Whedon wasn't going to stretch the field. Um, mm-hmm. th- in this game here today, you're going to get a motivated Texans team. They're one and two. They need to get back to 500, get back in the playoff hunt. They, they're, they're a well-coached team, a very good defensive team, and they're getting six and a half points. I'll gladly take Houston plus six. Yeah, I, I like that. That was almost a pick for me. And just to piggyback on that, Atlanta opened up on a Monday night. He obviously exerted a lot of energy in a big Monday night game. And then you go in back-to-back weeks at the Giants, get a win. At Dallas, gets a win. At some point, they got to take their bra off and want to relax and just let their uh, so-called titties hang. And I think it happens in this game as six and a half points. Yes. Uh, favorites. How, how's that analogy for you? That's a very good analogy. Matter of fact, I can ask you how you got to that, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to know too much information. I've seen some titties I'll... hang in my day, and so I think theirs are going to hang. <laughs> okay. And last one here is another team that I think, you know, again, they're a very good team, but they, they haven't been necessarily tested, and they're 3-0 and versus the spread. That's the Arizona Cardinals. They're laying mm-hmm. seven to the Rams division game. And the Cardinals have had the benefit of, one, being a good team, and two, playing a Saints team that isn't quite what it was, playing the Bears, who are awful, and then playing the 49ers, who are equally awful. Now they have a division game against a pretty good St. Louis team uh, that, you know, they lost to Pittsburgh last week. It was not a good showing. I think they're going to they're gonna come up.
Am I allowed to give the rest of that pick?
All right. Uh, one of those technical issue days that we're having here on the uh, Gridiron Stud Show. Compliments of our folks at Blog Talk Radio. All right. Uh, just to round things off, Amo had to go. Uh, he, does, he does like, as his final pick in the NFL, the St. Louis Rams, so apparently he likes seven plus seven against Arizona. I think Arizona not quite ready yet uh, to be winning in this fashion. So uh, to round things off, he likes the Bears plus three. He likes the Houston Texans plus six and a half. And then he also likes uh, St. Louis. Uh, I'm waiting here to get Peter Riz back on the phone. He's been, we've been having some problems with his connection. Um, let me see if I can get him back on here. In the meantime, let's just take a quick break, and I'll see if I can get Peter Arias to join us when we get back here on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. We're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show just trying to fight through some of uh, the little technical difficulties we're having here. But while I could, while things are good, let me see if I can get my next guest here on the show because he's also important on a day like this uh, after the debacle last night. Peter Reese, can you hear me? I can, I can. All right. Yeah, like I said, fighting through some technical issues. Uh, none as bad as what the Miami Hurricanes had last night. Totally not what I was expecting. I thought it would be a comfortable win for them in this game. Uh, based on what I'd seen from Cincinnati's defense, I didn't expect um, I didn't expect them to do much against Miami's offense, which has looked, you have to admit, very good in these first three games. Quickly, what do you, what, what, give me a quick an analysis of what went down last night. I mean, I think the best way to describe it would be uh, that was the Al Golden era in a nutshell. Uh, look, Miami came out kind of soft, I would say, overall last night, kind of flat as a team. Uh, and then really no adjustments were, were made in that second half. Defensively, they, they picked it up a bit. But, look, you mentioned it. The offense has looked uh, good these first few weeks. And last night, I think a lot of the issues and concerns that people had with them as far as those red zone conversions, scoring touchdowns instead of field goals, uh, those third down conversions, really came back to hurt Miami because they were moving the ball pretty well all night, but uh, they just weren't able to convert. And, uh, you know, we saw we saw what the result was. But like I said, once again, uh, lack of adjustment in that second half. Uh, and, and, yeah, we, we saw what happened. Miami, they came out flat, and, and it, it turned out to hurt them. Yeah. Um, so where do we go from here, Pete? I, you know, I had a little tangent with my co-host at the beginning, and I'm, you know, I'm putting a little bit of blame on the fans. I'm sure they don't want to hear that. I think really, if this doesn't drive it home last night, 
Uh, I don't think anything will. It's really time to lower the expectations. An eight and four season is a good season right now. It's almost a great season. If you win nine games, that's a tremendous season right now for Miami until we can get this thing built back up. But this whole expecting to win the Coastal um, and the minute there's a big win to you, it's back and thinking it's 2001 all over again. I think that's doing an injustice to the coaching staff that we we bring in here and to the players that are, you know, trying trying to turn this thing around slowly, not overnight. Yeah, and, and I think kind of going along with what you just said, it, it, it really turns into a, a big picture thing. When you say, all right, when, when Miami brought in Al Golden and, and kind of all the coaches in the state of Florida at that time were, were kind of all new. Must Champlin was being brought into U.S. Jimbo Fisher was still early in his career there. And the question was, will Miami ever get back to mm-hmm. that national stage and national prominence? It, now it, it's, 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 it's like that question is so far away from Miami's, Miami fans' minds right now. Uh, because, it, look, at a certain point you have, you have to question – when is Miami going to be able to handle teams like Cincinnati, who were not even on their radar uh, at a certain point in this in this program's uh, you know past? So it, it, the question, you know, everyone wants to see if Miami can get back, but they got to they got to beat teams like Cincinnati. I mean, it, at this point, it's, it's an embarrassment to the program, uh, and I think last night uh, was the nail in the coffin for Al Golden. Well, listen, uh, and again, none of this stuff is what a fan wants to hear. And listen, not much is going to make a Miami fan, Hurricane fan, happy on this day. But, Pete, are we not Cincinnati? That's what we are right now. Yeah, but who's the man in charge that has turned it into that? And I, and do I, we put all that on Al Golden? Uh, Randy I'd Shannon put, was I'd here before him. Can we, go ahead. I put a lot of it on Al Golden. I think the culture uh, has been has been turned into something where, it, look, the expectations should be lowered, like you said. But should the team have lower expectations for themselves as well? I mean, it it, it just feels like these guys are look. They're so far away from competing where where they want to be competing at, not only at a national stage but even at the ACC level. And, mm-hmm. and time after time again, the process, this and that, and, and I mean, we're not seeing any steps of it being taken whatsoever. So I do put I do put a lot of that on Al Golden. I, look, I understand I understand where you're coming from with the fans and the expectations and whatnot, but I mean, this is you're 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 in your five, and and no changes have been made. Nothing on the field has shown any progress whatsoever. I understand expectations should not be national championship, but I think my mm-hmm. right to want to see a better product on the field because last night, you, I mean, you see time and time again, look, Cincinnati's in the four-minute offense late in that game trying to slow the clock down. And, and a time run off the clock, and Jamal Carter's playing 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, going into a mm-hmm. back as soon as the ball snaps. Yeah, um, like- I know. I know it's those little it's those little things like that that are, are frustrating fans. And they frustrate me to the end of the game. Kind of frustrated me a little bit when you got fourth and goal from the five, 
and it's a two-score game any way you look at it. You don't take the field goal. Had you had a chance to listen to or view any of the post-game uh, comments by Al Golden, and did he discuss those decisions made at the end of the game there? No, which, which is not – I mean, which is far from the course. He, in most of these post-game pressers, he doesn't really discuss, you know, many of those decisions made. I, I, look, and, and – this is I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a quick little quick little story that it, this kind of right here kind of explains Al Golden as a football coach. Okay, two weeks ago, I got a text from someone within the program mm-hmm. telling telling me, "Hey, Al Golden had a team meeting and he mentioned your name, saying." I don't want anyone talking to this kid right here. We have to worry about ourselves. If he's worrying about a reporter like me and other things outside of the team instead of worrying about getting his football team right, I mean, that right there to me shows that there are bigger problems. I mean, I, I, his micromanagement to me is he worries about a lot of things other than what's going on in the field. Mm-hmm. And talks talks a big game, and we have not seen any results on the field. Um, and, and could you tell me what led up to that, why you are singled out? I mean, there are a lot of folks that cover Kane's football, a lot of media members. What led to, you think, uh, you being singled out in, in a meeting like that, which is, uh, I might admit, might be a little bit odd in that setting. Very odd, which is, which is why it caught me by surprise. It kind of irked me a bit uh, because – I just don't understand why. Um, look, I'm a student. I go to the school, and, and, and naturally I'm around a lot of the guys that I see them around campus and stuff like that. But I never post any information directly from them. And I and, and, and I think Golden, from what I've been told, he, he views everyone outside of the program, outside of what he calls within the team, within, you know, the unity and this and that, all he talks I think he views everyone outside of that as being sort of a leech. And, and he, he literally told the team, he said, look, this guy hangs around you just to get information from you. And to me, mm-hmm. I think that was completely unfair, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, for me to be called out in a team meeting when there are much larger issues at stake here, mm-hmm. I think right there that shows you, you know, Al Golden worries about way too much about what's going on outside. Uh, look, he talks saying ignore the noise, this and that. Well, obviously, he's not ignoring the noise. And and, and I'm and look, I'll say this. I'm not someone who has been out there for the last two or three years saying fire out Golden, fire out Golden, this and that. So, again, I don't understand where it came from, and it just confuses me. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I am as confused as, you know, a lot of other people are that have that I've told this to, and it's it, it just I don't understand it. What do you you know? So, all right, we lost to we lost to Cincinnati uh, in a Thursday night game. We don't handle primetime games too well right now. Um, we, we that might be the case. So we lost the game. We're heading into Florida State. The staff is the staff. Um, how, how do we fix it? How do we beat Florida State? What needs to be done right now? If 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 you're in charge, what are you doing right now? Well, naturally, I think these guys will come out a little more excited this week. Um, 
obviously that wasn't an ACC game, so you know the, I'm sure a lot of the I'm sure in all the interviews we hear this week we'll we'll hear how oh the the goal hasn't changed, we still have the coastal in our in our minds and stuff, and you know that that's nice and all that, but you're going to Bill Campbell next week. I don't care that Jameis Winston is not the quarterback anymore, but that's going to be a very tough environment to play in. Uh, we saw last year what happened after Miami lost to FSU. Their season completely, completely unraveled. Uh, it, the coaches are going to have to be the ones uh, who make sure that, look, even if Miami does lose next week, it doesn't unravel. But with the way that things turned out. But you know, wait, timeout, Pete. Does it, though? You lost to Cincinnati. Uh, first of all, like the Nebraska game is almost a loss considering how it ended up. Then you lose to Cincinnati. Then you lose to Florida State. I mean, is the season does the season come down the next week? I think it does. I think it does quite simply. Uh, and I and I and I would go further than just the season. I think that you know I said nail in the coffin with that Cincinnati game because uh, the chances that Miami goes into Tallahassee and gets a win are slim to none. And and I think that really is the only opportunity for Golden to save his job at this point with still more than half the season left after that game where you don't know what's going to happen the rest of the year. Uh, mm. But look, we, we said it all year, all offseason, that this stretch coming up was going to be the one that kind of defined the season for the Canes. You have FSU this week, Virginia Tech, Clemson. So, yeah, I think this week will will tell us, you know, really where where the, where the season's going because if you lose this one, I mean, Clemson obviously has a tough game this weekend against Notre Dame, but that's a very talented ball club. Mm-hmm. Duke after Clemson, who's obviously one of the, the one of the most well coached teams in the entire country, so things could go downhill very quickly for the Canes. Yeah, well, um, and, you know, no one wants to see that. So, you know, it does end up being a situation where um, y- y- I don't want to say it this early, but you're playing for your season. I guess that's you what are. you're saying. 100%. Because um, I- do, you, do you buy into any of the talk after the game about um, this, you know, we're still alive in the coastal and all that, which technically you are, Um but is that the message you want out there right now? No, that's not the message you want out there because that's been the same exact message that has been out there for the last four years. And it seems like it's the same exact message after the loss. Because over the past three, four years, I lost these games, but the Coastal's been so bad and the standard has been lowered for the Coastal. Obviously, you know, last quarter tech was pretty good, but Every year it seems like, you know, the Canes are alive, quote-unquote, in the Coastal because they are. But until we see them actually take that next step and beat us, look, I think the measure of our golden coach is this. Do you think in his time as head coach that this team has beaten anybody that they should not have beaten based on, based on what they have on the roster? Uh, and I'm wondering if that's what we, you know, need to go by. I just think some part of this is is 
fans changing their expectations. Yeah, I, I understand that. Maybe we just start that. Let's just lower the expectations and build from there. I, I think we should just be 100% all about just developing players right now. And if we get five stars, great. Um, but let's just get the good football players that are down here and make them better from age 18 to age 20, 21. And, and, and I'll say this. You know, the problem I don't think has been developing the individual talent. You know, it seems like, of course, not every guy, but guys have gotten better uh, in their time in Miami under Al Goldman. Philip Dorsett emerged over the last couple of seasons. I mean, how many people saw him as a potential first-round pick? Clive Walford was a guy uh, really uh, under the development of Larry Scott, tight end coach, got a lot better. Uh, I mean, there's guys all over. Corn Elder has, has taken that next step. I mean, that's with more playing time as well, but... The question I don't think is developing that individual talent. It's getting them to come together, I'm not going to say as one and as a team and all that, but winning games. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And, and again, I understand what you're saying about lowering expectations. This is not a Miami program that we should be expecting to win 11, 12 games a year. But how low do the expectations have to go before you say it's time uh, to get rid of Golden? I'm just wondering, Pete, um, if – the fan base um, and maybe some others are just putting too heavy a backpack on the coaches that come in here. Um, we're not going to get Saban. We're not going to get Chip Kelly, I don't believe. Um, we're not getting Urban Meyer. We're not getting someone that's going to come in here where people could, you know, where there's been some instant success. And I just think whoever we get here next, we have to throw away the ghost of 2001 and the national championships and realize we are, again, building from scratch. It's 1979. It's 1978. I, 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 think I think that's where we're at. I, no, and, and I agree with you, but I, I think the Canes fans' mentality right now is it can't get any worse than what they're seeing on the field and what they've seen on the field the last four years. And, and, I, and I think that kind of all the Canes fans are just kind of saying, look, I don't care. Obviously, everyone has their preference. But mm-hmm. I, I think they're saying, I don't care who it is. Uh, we're just sick of this guy, and, and, and we need him out of town. It's, it's their mentality. Uh, but, yes, whoever Well, you have to here, care, though. See, that's the problem. You get so upset, and you just say, I don't care who we bring in here next. Let's just get rid of this guy. Then you bring in the I don't care guy next, and then you're back into the same situation. You know, so you got to care about who's next, and you got to care about if we're getting rid of this guy, who are we getting? The, I mean, you, you got to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that there's any question about that. Uh, but you look at the numbers, and and look, Temple's gotten better without Al Golden. I, I just, there's so much stacked against. And look, at this point, it's not much of a question about whether or not he'll be here next season. Uh, and I agree with you. Look, they have to find. And I think when they're when they're doing this coaching search, they have to find someone that brings something different to the table. And so, look, you're. Like I said, you're not going to go out there and get a Chip Kelly like some Canes fans are, are hoping for. Uh, it's probably going to be a name that, that has already been tossed around. But whoever it is has to bring something different uh, to the table in the sense that, look, you look at every top team across in the country, and each of them have a signature, whether it's a style of offense, you know, the way they play defense, uh, whatever it is, I don't see anything – on this Miami team right now 
where you could hang your hat on and say, that is why this team can be good, or that's why this team can be elite, or even competing for an ACC title or a coastal title within the next couple of years. You know, there's talent there, but there's been talent there for the last few Pete, how much of this, how much of this, the state of Miami football right now, um, would you throw on administration? How much do you put uh, on that? And, well, you know, it, it's tough to it's, that's that's something that's tough to really quantify. But I would put uh, I would put a I would definitely put a, a good amount of blame on them. I think that uh, the decision to not let Golden go last year is something that could just set this program back even further. Um, I think that Blake James is a guy who a lot of people will blame for not firing Golden last year and, and I guess kind of not being harder on making some changes, whether it be Mark D'Onofrio or what, whatever the case is. But I think the school was the school did not want to make two decisions. and I wouldn't say two decisions, but I don't think the school wanted to go through two changes. Donna Shalala, of course, retired at the end of the school year last year. Julio Frank was brought in, and, I, and that's the other problem. Julio Frank, the new president at, the, at, at Miami, is a guy with no background in sports. Okay, he's a guy who he's big on on health, academics, of course. So the question is, who is going to be making this next decision for the Canes? And I think that falls in line with what you're saying: is look, you might get rid of Golden, but who are they going to hire? And I think that that's a question that uh, remains to be seen, obviously. But the decision makers here. Uh, are going to be put on the spot and be put in the spotlight. Look, when Miami hired Randy Shannon, uh, Donna Shalala hired him, and, and a lot of people said it was a very lazy hire. Miami didn't go, go through really the due process that they should have because uh, mm-hmm. they just hired within. And, you know, at the time it wasn't viewed as a terrible hire. Shannon was respected, obviously, uh, in South Florida uh, and a guy who had played here before. Uh, but I think, I think that... They're going to really have to get together. That board of trustees is, is going to be are going to be the ones who have to guide this decision because uh, you know President Frank, new, new to Miami, to, from what, everything that I've seen, everything I've heard, uh, you know, he's obviously showing his face in all these football events, and you know, he went out to a practice and they presented him a jersey and all that, but that's all ceremonial uh, because I think in a lot of schools around the country, their their administration care more about football than the University of Miami. Yeah, you know, and that's that's kind of where I was going next. I'm just wondering if it's that important. And I don't know that it's all, ever all, – I don't know if it's ever been that important, but I think what had happened in the past and how this thing started was you had a really strong personality in Howard Schnellenberger. Uh, I think you followed that up with another really strong personality in Jimmy Johnson, and at that point you really got the wheels rolling. And while Dennis Erickson was not as strong a personality as those first two guys, the pressure was on the administration to keep this thing going because it had brought the it had brought the university alive. There was so much attention on it, so many eyeballs on what was being done. And now that we're so far removed, now good 12 13 years since we've you know really been all up in the middle of college football i don't think there's that much pressure on the administration right now to have the the, the football team be a national contender 
and they can just be content now with being seven and five, eight and four, and and but we're a tremendous academic school. I, I think that's where we're at. And 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 all I and all I did say, kind of going along with 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 the administration and whatnot. Look, I'm a student at UM, so I'm I'm around the campus. I can kind of get a vibe for you know how everyone's feeling about the team and all that. And quite frankly, nobody cares about the football team right now. You know, it's, it's sad to say, but University of Miami is a school where you have a lot of kids from up north coming down. I mean, there's really not as many kids who grew up down here in this area. And none of these kids have really were, were not really alive to see. Well, I mean, even if they were alive, they were extremely young when Miami was relevant. Okay, and, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of what they know is just from the U documentaries and whatnot. There is no buzz around campus about this team, even before last night. Uh, you know, obviously the, the, the attendance, the student attendance is awful for games. So it extends down from just the administration. But, I mean, I, but that reflects, like you said, this is an academic school, and a lot of kids, quite frankly, just don't care about the football team. And I think all of that... Uh, kind of plays into where where all these struggles we've seen out of the universe, out of out of the, the hurricane football. Yeah, and I I think that's where it is. I think that's where you know some attention needs to start getting focused. It's deeper. It's deeper than the coach, um, and I think people don't really realize how big a hole there is there. And, and I think the hole is deeper than people think. And um, uh, the focus really has to go now into developing good football players. We need to go like Boise State on this thing. We're, you know, we don't have to have top 20 recruiting classes. Don't put all our eggs in that basket. Let's put the let's put the eggs in the basket of making the guys that come here better, and then eventually I think we'll work our way back. We're going to have to leave it there, man. This is uh, – this is uh, obviously a, a big deal, and this was a, a passionate discussion. Let me say that. I'm, I mean, uh, passionate Pete jumped out on me here. Yeah, but I don't know if you were expecting it, but uh, I guess that's what happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So um, we'll see where we are. Florida State next week, so that's going to be an interesting uh, session with you next week. But, hey, thanks for joining me here on the Gridiron Stud Show. All right, Chad. Thanks for having me on. All right. A fired-up Peter is from CanesInsight.com talking about the Hurricanes last night, the past, the future. Uh, it's been a big part of today's show. But uh, we do need to shove on. High school football is being played tonight, and we do need to talk about it. And I'm going to have Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com on with me right after this very short break. We'll be right back after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. 
For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! All you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. here on the Football Friday on the Gridiron Stud Show. Just finished a, a serious, passionate segment there with Peter Ariz from Canes Inside. Obviously, Canes fans are uh, up in arms about the result last night. And, you know, I'll be one of those that, and I believe I said it on the show yesterday, that I expected it to be a fairly easy win for the Hurricanes last night, considering what I'd seen from Cincinnati's defense. It just didn't work out that way. Um, I guess folks would be expecting me to go in on things today. Um, but I'm not necessarily in that boat. I just think at a certain point you got to lower your expectations. I think for whatever reason, last night really kind of drove that home to me, that we are uh, Cincinnati right now. And I think if fans and those around the program could come to that realization, then you could start trying to, 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 to fix it. You know, you could start – trying to look at, okay, this is who we are. Now how do we get ourselves from here to there? Instead of thinking we are Alabama and you're really Cincinnati, and I think if that's your thought process and that's the way that you're thinking, um, it's going to be a long time before you fix it. And I think the whole in uh, University of Miami football is deeper than people think. But like I said before the break, uh, high school football is the thing. It's on tonight. It's it's what's happening uh, across the country, but especially in uh, the state of Florida, and as I do every week, uh, I'm going to bring on the uh, one of one of the titans of uh, Florida high school football, and that's Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com. Josh, how you doing? Good, doing all right. I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, I mean, I, I know you said, like you said, I mean, I guess the weather's having an effect on everybody this week, you know, I mean, you just having technical difficulties. I, I blame it on the hurricane, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, I made my way through that somehow through uh, alternate channels. Uh, let's jump right into this thing since, uh, you know, everything's been pushed back and I'm running uh, short on time on this day. Uh, big, big game going down in Class 8A tonight. This is kind of for the season here for, for these two teams. Miramar is taking on Flanagan, and uh, the loser in this one's out. Is Are they not? They're done. 
Uh, they could, they, they potentially could be done. I mean, I, 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 the thing, the thing for that is though, is that you still have a chance a, a tiebreaker situation, and all that. And you know, given given that the district you're looking at it, you know, I mean, I mean, you could still in the potential tiebreaker situation where you have teams with two losses, or I mean, mm-hmm. or even with one loss. I mean. Say a plantation. Say, say a plantation was, you know, lives. I know. I, I have to look it up. His plantation is actually playing tonight. But you know, especially with Miramar and Flanagan, you know, for Flanagan, you know, you lose here, you're done. Your season's over. You know, the high expectation of being the top ranked team in, in, in 8A and all of a sudden faltering out like that. No one's. No one was going to say we didn't see that coming. Well, of course we didn't see it coming. Flanagan held this right. down. What, 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 what happened? You know, yeah, but I just don't, I just don't see it. I mean, Miramar, yeah, get a second loss here, yeah, season could be over. Considering that you've already played Plantation, you lost to them, planning and you lose to them, yeah, you're pretty much your season's pretty much done at that particular point. And that's yeah, I think everyone figured a foregone conclusion that Flanagan would beat Miramar in this game. Uh, obviously, before the South Plantation game, you just would have absolutely put that in pen. Um, and even still, with the loss to South Plantation, because there were some you know factors involved there. Uh, Flanagan was without three uh, of their starters in the game, and there was a lot of talk about the officiating. So I uh, kind of almost didn't count that loss and that people would expect Flanagan to beat Miramar. But I am surprised because I'm on your site right now. And, again, that's uh, FloridaHSFootball.com. Joshua Wilson joining me here. And I'm going through Pinkos, and we know about Pinkos' hit rate. Pinkos is seeing Miramar in this game by five. Are you surprised by that? I'm actually I'm, – I'm initially surprised by that. And I think – I still think there's a hangover from that South Plantation game. I think, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a major hit. And, and I think the power ranking took effect – took a big hit on that. Yeah, you think the I mean, computer just, got spil- got a little juice built on the computer there over that? Well, cons- well, well, well consider- considering that Pinkos does all this by hand, you know, God bless his soul for doing that, considering, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've learned you, you know, I've learned a little bit of what he, you know, how, what, 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 is the, what is the method of doing without having to, because, you know, the, the, the formula is proprietary, so, you, you know, he's not even going to tell you how the formula goes. Right. But <laughs> the, 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 the complete, the, the, I think it's just, I don't know how much weight is still being given on that South Plantation game, but I think at this particular point there's still some weight being given upon it. And Miramar, mm-hmm. I mean, it just—I mean, I know Flanagan. I know Flanagan took out the frustrations on Western last week, so I, I have to give Flanagan credit for that. So you know, and, and, and there might be a good chance that I think Flanagan does it again. They're going to take out the frustrations on Miramar. They're going to take out the frustrations now on anybody because they—they they should not have lost to South Plantation. Yeah, they should be a highly motivated team. And, you know, Pinkos doesn't win all of these. He did say Dillard last night by three over Boyd Anderson. That certainly oh, geez, didn't that go way. that way. No. <laughs> no. Certainly didn't shake down no. this way. I find this one also interesting. The other big matchup that we have down here in South Florida uh, tonight is Miami Central taking on Carroll City. Uh, if you listen to the Chief Faithful, and they probably say this every year, but also some neutral folks that think this could be uh, the year where Carroll City topples that big giant Miami Central. Pinkos thinks it's Miami Central by 16 over Carroll City. Um, what's your thoughts on this? Well, considering that, considering that they thought Lakeland would win big over Carroll City and that went right for nods, <laughs> let's, let's look at that one, to be honest with you, right. because seriously, you know, like I said, you know, I mean, he said he had Lakeland over Carroll City, you know, a few weeks ago. Well, I mean, I, I just, you know, I heard the warnings of saying, hey, Carroll City might topple Lakeland, and sure enough, what happened? 
Carol City comes yep. in Lakeland and makes himself at home. So, you know, right. this is another game that I really think, you know, it's like I keep telling you, I think this is, this, you know, there's a good chance that Carol City can do pull the upset. I'm, I mean, I still think that, you know, considering that Miami Central's got inconsistencies on offense, you know, you know, especially with depending on which quarterback they start, you know, if the if the if the sophomore uh, the Morton, you know, he's you know back to being healthy, full one hundred percent healthy, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if he starts, but you know, if they're going right back to the senior, oh man, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough for them because you know it's like you know you, you can't. Well, predict, that game is gonna that that's gonna be a war. Yeah. Uh, you know. Miramar yeah. Flanagan's going to be a war. This will also be a war. There'll be a lot of fireworks going around everywhere, and I think a lot of folks will be uh, uh, heavy on your Twitter page and on your website tonight, looking for the final scores of those football games. There are this, some other uh, uh, big games going down. Hallandale's taking on Miami Jackson. Everyone wants to know how will Hallandale battle back from the disappointment of losing a St. Thomas game that they had uh, several leads in and, and a legit chance to to topple. The Titans of Broward County. How are they going to snap back against this in this district game against Jackson? I mean, that that one I'm kind of curious about. Considering that you know you Miami Jackson losing a couple of weeks ago, Cardinal Gibbons three nothing on a field goal. Come on, you you shouldn't be doing that when you know Cardinal Gibbons is down this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know that. Mm-hmm. You know, and considering this is the same Miami Jackson team that put Booker T. Washington a couple you know weeks before that. Come on, and it, 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 I think I think South Florida football has been turned upside down and. Just, Shaking out all over the floor, and like pick up the pieces, but mm-hmm. you're you want to pick them up. I mean, yeah, it, no, no question it, it, about it's that. It's just great. I think I think another game, another game I want to point on is Oxbridge Academy at Delray American Heritage Night. That one is a lot of people marking as like the game of the year. I mean, you talk oh, about. Oh my goodness! I, mean, I, I think talk about I think more. the Palm Beach Sheriff, uh, the the county, is going to have uh, several guys in their in their in their suit showing up to that one because that's that's definitely going to be a war. No doubt about that. That's gonna, that, that. That is just going to be war. I mean, I mean, it's the first district game for Oxford Ridge Academy in their school history. I mean, but, you know, a lot of people, both of the both teams are going to be looking to make a statement in that district because, I mean, you take this big Cardinal Newman outside the conversation because Cardinal Newman ain't going anywhere this year. They're right. already 0-1-5. I mean, they've not gone anywhere. So it's Cardinal Newman's a non-factor. It's, this is basically – your district championship here at this particular point for those two teams. Whoever wins is winning that district. I don't care what you, what happens. If Cardinal Newman somehow manages to find a surprise on the upset, yeah, congratulations. You you throw the district into a tiebreaker situation, but I just don't see it happening. I don't Not, see it happening either. In, no, it, 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 there's just too many variables playing into this one. But I mean, if I, I, I think everyone in Palm Beach it. County uh, had a finger, you know, circle this date right here. Um, and there'll be heavy attendance to that contest, well, no doubt about it. Well, well, considering Doug Sasha is the head coach at Oxford Academy, he used to be the coach at Delray American Heritage. So this is like, oh yeah, it's probably it's. It, I wouldn't say it's a warm, uh, warm welcome back. It's more like no, he really didn't. Don't he didn't, see you. as they say in football, didn't leave that under his own power. Uh, was ushered out of the door. So I'm sure he's been pointing to this. His uh, you know, his his chance to get back at the old employer there. Another interesting game uh in in class five A is Coconut Creek and Cardinal Gibbons. Uh loser of this is done. We could say oh, that yeah, the loser. concerning what's yeah, definitely. It, you're you're out. You you are pretty much you you're close to being yeah, you're pretty much close to being out of this particular point. It's just it's I mean Coconut Creek takes another district loss, they're done and you know 
I kept telling the national guide, it's like, no, you do not want to rain Coconut Creek. And I, I had one that didn't want to listen. And I'm like, now you, are you listening to me? I mean, Coconut Creek, mm-hmm. you just don't want to rank them yet. Now until they prove that they can beat somebody, you you went too much on the seven on seven hype. I even called them out. You went too much on the seven on seven hype with them, you know, because they can do really well in seven on seven. Yeah, they may have good players, but but you know, again, it comes when it's eleven on eleven, not seven on seven. You know, when you've got your yeah, linemen, oh, it's a whole different story. Yep, uh, that's it's where the game's won and lost. Story. That's how it's been throughout time, and it uh, hasn't changed as of now, and uh, it's probably the way it's going to be in the future, and I guess guys are learning that. So we'll, maybe we'll see a little bit of a pull-up on the big 7-on-7 seven seven teams in the future as they start trying to do the preseason rankings are hard, though, uh, and, and oh, yeah, especially hard, hard in high hard, school. It's just, it's just hard, but when you know that a team has, has had issues with the, the inconsistencies on, on a line – you know that you got to be careful about that, and we saw that last year with Coconut Creek. You know that they played good games; that they they scored points, but when it comes to finishing out the game, they couldn't finish it because the line couldn't hold up. That was the problem for Coconut Creek last year, and it's probably it's starting to turn to the same thing again now. It's like, well, here you are, you're two and two. Yeah, you know, let's duck down in a class four A. Uh, they should have an easy win tonight, Booker T taking on Keysgate Charter. They did lose oh, yeah, the big that's... annual matchup to Central, and so now that's 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 uh, more losses than Booker T thought they would ever have, more losses than they've had, I think, in the last four years. What would you assess the situation there for them right now? Well, I mean, I, mean, I guess some people would say it's surprising that they're 2-3. and three. I might be surprised that they're 2-3 and three at this particular point, considering that they probably should have beaten Miami Jackson, and then they would be 3-2, and two, and we wouldn't be talking much about this at this mm. particular point. But but the good question now is not, not this game, but when they go to play Miami Edson in a few weeks. That's going to be that, – Miami Edson, I mean, they literally have turned up the, they've turned up the heat. And it's like, hey, we this might be our year to knock off Booker T. And they, yeah, you think this is a game that, that, that uh, Edison could beat Booker T? I think you know, in a few weeks, yeah, they could do it. You know, it depends on how how the next couple of weeks play out for Edison. Yeah, I really think that there's a chance there. And some people are saying all oh, they're saying that ain't gonna happen. Booker T's just played a tough schedule. Yeah, they may have played a tough schedule. They played a few couple of tough teams in St. Thomas Aquinas and Miami Central, but at the same time. You know, I don't necessarily think Miami Jackson is considered a tough game at that particular point, considering how Miami, what the path that Miami Jackson's gone down on. You know, mm-hmm. you, some of those games where you think, oh, the, oh the, it's a good loss, and then all of a sudden you see them losing the next week to a to a weaker team. It's like, yeah, no doubt, an unexpected loss there. There's there's no question about that. Another yeah. interesting game in Class Four A is Clewiston and University School. Um, I don't know about you. I've been surprised, and many people have been surprised by what university school has been able to do so far this season. Are you included in that group? I think Daniel Luca is doing a really great job in university school. Well, I think I think the key is, is how well do they play close? To it's going to be the key. Yeah. I think you know. Right. If, if they well, no if, more if, tonight. If they beat, yeah, if we did they beat Clouston, they they get they get the or they or they stay pretty close and competitive with them for four the four 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 quarters. Oh yeah, you know that'll definitely say hey you know university schools you know they've changed you know they they've had this you know they had that one down year in between all that you know they're they're coming they're they're coming back to play maybe you know I mean at least provide some competitive football which you know I mean I mean I, I my my fa- my 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 thoughts on that you know it's like hey at least it's better because you know. 
Frank the second, at least he's good three good teams and not having two good teams and two bad teams work because, you know, you got Somerset Academy sitting in that district and, you know, they're they they come on the worst averages of giving up points in the state. I mean it's just yeah, literally, um, literally, literally horrible. They had some high hopes there for a minute, and then, like, the bottom fell out somewhere in that preseason for Somerset. All right, I touched on some big games, and a lot of them are down here in this area since, you know, that's where I'm located. Are there a couple of games out here tonight that I haven't mentioned and we may not know about down south that we should pay attention to? Well, you, you've got you've got West Orange and Apopka, which that was a district, you know, that's a district game, so that'll be interesting because West Orange and Apopka, same district. So I mean, it's just I, you know, some people fear that Apopka, you know, they 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 don't really have much of a passing game. They're relying, you know, heavily on the running game at this particular point, and they set it through that may may eventually catch up to the Blue Darters. But given we know what Rick Darlington can do, with knowing we've seen what we've seen out of Apopka in the last few years. They're going to run the ball. They're going to shove it down people's throats. I mean, I, I still give it to Apopka to win that game because it's at home for them. Okay, you, you, you're not going to beat up the crowd noise from a home crowd. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. You, you, go, you go to Apopka, you're bound to lose. That's just right, the way it right. works. I mean, yeah, so definitely I mean, an I mean, interesting one there. And and you, I think you said last week um, you think Apopka can make some serious noise in 8A this year. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, they definitely. You know, they they they, they had a tough test against Dr. Phillips. It was a 22-20 game a couple couple weeks ago. You know, I think that right there. You know, I got through that. Given the fact that I mean, I, I, I in my mind, I almost feared that Dr. Phillips with those three losses. That you know, to be, to be honest, Dr. Phillips should not have scheduled the schedule like they did like that, and they knew it mm-hmm. that it would possibly mm-hmm. turn out like this. And you know, here they are, two and three. I think for Dr. Phillips at that particular point, it's going to have to figure out, okay, can we win out and still make noise in the playoffs? Maybe that that's that's what that, that was the plan. I hope, okay, we go two and three, and we'll we'll go finish seven and three, and we'll make some noise. But you know, they, they've got they've got they've got tougher district opponents now in their own district, so that's the thing. But um, another couple of games that I want to point out, you know, that are that I would you know keep an eye on Winter Haven at Kathleen. That's actually going to be an interesting one because of the of their District Seven and Class Seven A. That that's mm-hmm. actually a pretty good district where it's a fourteen district, but you know all four teams have a winning record. They've got one of the best winning percentages of any district in the state right now. So for that district, you know that's going to be key, and especially with this key, you know Winter Haven and Kathleen. You know, and it's at Kathleen. You know, Winter Haven. I mean, Winter Haven doesn't want to take a loss here, but if they do. You know they're gonna to have to bounce back, but you know I mean at this particular point it's you know they're they're, they're it's a serious situation you, even in the 14 district where you thought y'all you may have a you may have a, you you think you're gonna be the district runner maybe a district champion and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not so sure what about how that district's gonna play out now I mean I, I I will take a look at my projections after all this after this weekend and look at the projections and see where where, where yeah, am I, where another am I one of right? those where another I... one of those where uh, you'll know more tonight so give me one more we only got five minutes here give me one more game we should be paying attention to oh how about I take you to the Panhandle it's Gambia at Pine Forest Pine Forest has bounced back nicely they've been down the last few years but down to 4-1 and one. it's Gambia's 4-1 and one. they got a big win at Columbia last week a 44-41 win at Columbia and Lake City last week Pine Forest has been on been on the roll after ever since they lost their first just you know, lost their first game of the season back you know they lost their first game and then they've been on a roll ever since Mm-hmm. The big, you know, this now is a district. It's a key district six. It's a district one six a game. I think at this particular point, you know, 
whoever wins this game is likely, you know, going to be in control of okay how the district goes. Now they got to keep it. Pinko says line. it's going to be Escambia by nine. By the way, I thought I'd throw it's, that. Oh in there. man, that's going to that, there you go. That's going to be close. And see, they got to also keep in mind Tate because Tate's playing Pensacola Washington, which is also another district game in that same district. But Tate should roll, easily roll on that one. But the thing for that mm-hmm. now is comes after that. Now, like Scammy and Pine Force both have to deal with Tate in the in the in the coming in the suing weeks. So the question is, is what 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 does Scammy want to do? What does Pine Force want to do? Both of them are wanting to make a statement. Who's going to make the loudest statement out of this game? Yeah. Uh, so, the, hey man, I think we're all up to date. We got several big time games going on in the state of Florida, and uh, some some certified wars going down. And uh, can't wait to hit hit Twitter and hit the scoreboards tonight to find out the finals of these games. Is uh, oh, yeah, interesting things are going to go down tonight. Oh yeah, I'll tell you what. And then once after this, once we get through it tonight, then we'll start to sit down. We'll start to say, okay, who's in the driver's seat? Who's 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 who's, who's, who's still in it? You know, who still has a chance? Who you know who's who needs help? And then who's basically out of it? Because I'll tell you what, that district, the district of sixteen and seven A down there in Miami, there's already teams out of it. After yep. this weekend, we're gonna know. We're gonna know clearer that picture of who's really in it at that point. Yeah, crazy to believe we're already in week six of the high school football season. Well, listen, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, as always, Josh, appreciate to talk some high school football here with us on the Gridiron Stud Show. Appreciate it, Chad. Thank you. All right, Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com. Uh, I'm sure the uh, the uh, scoreboard will be. In uh, full demand, and uh, the Twitter page will be uh, fully cranked up tonight as uh, folks try to follow these games from uh, wherever you are tonight. All right, well, that's it. We've reached the end of our weekend edition, the uh, Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. And uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties there in the middle, but it did stop us from having a great show. I'd like to thank uh, my guests, Peter Ariz from canesinsight.com and Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com for coming on to the show. We did give you our picks just to run through them real quick. In college football, Amel likes Alabama. As an underdog, he likes Washington State. As a 17.5-point underdog, and he likes Boise State as a big 25-point favorite. I like Nebraska as a 6.5-point favorite. Oregon as a 7.5-point favorite. And Washington State, I also like them as a 17.5-point underdog in the NFL. I like the Redskins plus 3, the Bears plus Plus three and the Seahawks as big nine and a half point favorites. And uh, Amol likes the uh, Bears as underdogs. He likes the Texans as underdogs. And he likes the St. Louis Rams as underdogs. So he's uh, fully underdogged for this weekend. And we're just going to have to leave it there at that. We're expecting big things out of these picks this week. There's no, there's, uh, no question about that. But uh, I'd like to thank you all for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Thank you for making it a featured show on uh, blogtalkradio.com. We'll be back with you on Monday to wrap all this stuff up, all these great picks, and uh, assess the situation. But until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the games. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Because we can work. Because we can work.